boys screws loose, they done stripped the bolts on them. Should have never sent them to pick up the work for them. Sprayed the park and had my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. Tech cursive on the jets, he was going to Sean John him. Hello and welcome to another edition of Chuddy's Corner. How we doing, Chuddy Heads? I'm your host, Ben Handler. At King Chuddy on Twitter, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pereno at Nick Pereno, Nick underscore Pereno on Twitter. Sorry, Nick, how we doing, bud? Doing better. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely better. doing better than last time. Definitely doing better than last time. I don't know how long. What was it? Uh, it's almost a month ago, right? Three weeks ago, it was last. Yeah, time? January seventh was the last time we podcasted, and things were. That was maybe the darkest point of the year. The Celtics were eighteen and twenty-one then, and. Uh, it was bad. It was real yeah. bad. We're in we're in a little bit of a better place. Yes, a little bit. So I don't know. I'm excited to excited to dive into it a little bit, but we'll see. Definitely, definitely. So as you all know by now, Chuddy Heads, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe, like, give us a rating, a review, what have you. You can interact with either one of us on Twitter. We love the interaction. As always, um, you know, get involved in the conversation if you got something to say. And you can always watch the video and get all your real estate needs, as well as the Chuddy's Corner blog on nickperano.com. So... Without further ado, let's dive into it. As I just alluded to, the last time we got on the podcast, the Celts were 18 and 21. They were 11th in the East, and they were coming off some of the worst losses you can imagine. So since then, in the time it's been, the Celtics have improved the record to 27 and 25, which is good for ninth in the East. But there's a lot of congestion ahead of us. We're only six games out of first, which is kind of crazy. There are five teams at the top of the East within a game and a half. We're three games back of the Nets, who are the sixth seed, which would be out of the play-in. So what I'm saying is it's all kind of jumbled up. Um, can't get too caught up in the day-to-day changing of the standings. I think at this point, we're just looking for wins and looking for good basketball, which lately we've seen as the Celtics have now won nine out of 13. They've won four out of five since uh, Marcus Smart returned from COVID and his hand injury. So we've got, you know, since our full lineup's back, we've had four really impressive wins, a tough loss to the Hawks sandwiched in between, who are playing well now. But hey, four out of five this year for the Celtics. Uh, we will definitely take that. And more so than that, the team just looks better. Um, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's starting to look like the like the team we've come to know and expect. The team's fully healthy. We've actually gotten some continuity. We're getting into some normal lineups, rotations. Um, the Celtics have the second best net rating in the entire NBA in January. They're actually up to sixth in net rating in the entire league for the season, uh, which is 19th on defense, but uh, no, sorry, 19th on offense, fourth on defense, which seems pretty legit. Although I think the stats are probably a little bit bolstered by our. 53 point bludgeoning of the Kings about a week ago, which uh, will definitely help the ratings across the board. But overall, it's been a lot of positives. It's been a lot better. It's been some good basketball. What are your overall thoughts? I guess now that uh, we've made it through January, Nick, which we kind of had circled as a, as a big month. We knew December would be rough. It was rough. And we were hoping January, the team would kind of rebound going a little bit of a run. I think we started to see that. So obviously these last five games have been, you know, much better to watch. We've looked good. 
you know, I don't want to say, you know, this has happened to us a lot the last couple of years where we get sucked in being like, oh, wow, we looked great that game or even a couple of games. Yeah. Um, it's been rare that we go on like a five game streak where we look pretty good the last couple of years. So, I mean, I think, you know, I'd like to say we look a little bit different than those previous times where we've kind of been duped. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to be too negative, but there's as encouraging as it is. Um, I am a little bit concerned about not how we're winning games, but you know, what the, what it's, what the numbers are saying basically. And the eye test has been great, but I'm worried that it's a little bit too Tatum centric, if that makes any sense. Um, so obviously Marcus has been a huge part of this. I mean, I love the way he's been playing. Um, but you just, if you just look at the five last five games where we've looked the best we've looked all year, um, maybe the best we've looked the last couple of years, you know, we pretty much, we're going to go as far. I mean, it's always been the case. We're going to go as far as Tatum takes us, basically. That's usually how it is in the NBA. You go as far as your best player takes you, um, especially in our situation where, you know, we don't have an awesome roster. Uh, our starting five is, you know, really solid, but, you know, not a deep bench. So it's a little bit more accentuated, I think, when your best player, you know, the first, I don't know, three quarters of the year, he was in a shooting slump, if you even call it a slump for, you know, yeah. more than half the season. And then you look at these last five games where four wins, we looked really good. He shot over 60% in three of them, 47% in one of them, which was um, the last game against Miami. And then you look at the loss, he shot under 30%. Mm -hmm. So in that loss against the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks have been playing great, but you know, we didn't look as good as we've looked the other, the other few games, obviously. Um, so I am concerned that, you know, this recent streak of playing well could be, you know, a little bit heavily weighted too heavily in the sense that Tatum's playing, you know, nuclear bubble Tatum status. And you know, I guess he's him playing that way is not like can't say it's fluky because that's who you know we think he should be. Right. But um, you know, that coupled with the whole Marcus playing out of his mind, I think this is exactly how I think we both wanted Marcus to play, mm -hmm. you know, pretty much his whole career. I mean, he is a point guard. I think he's proven that. And right. you know, again, in those games, the wins he's had six or more assists, that loss, mm -hmm. he only had two assists. So we're at our best when Tatum is hitting shots and Marcus is setting up the offense and creating, you know, easy shots for other players. So I don't, I don't want to simplify it too much and say, you know, that's what's happened, but I mean, I, you know, I, we've been hurt too many times for me to just be like, we're back and, sure. you know, get all excited about it. Yeah, totally fair. And I mean, I'm, you know, we're playing better. We're signs of improvement. I don't think you and I are ready to say like, Oh, we're contenders again. You know, we're back in the title mix. That's not what we're saying. And I mean, at this point, if you listen to last podcast, things are so dark that, you know, we'd take back in the playoff hunt, which is hopefully what we're working towards. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, some of this has been Tatum going off, but again, I don't think that's that fluky. Like this is the guy we wanted Tatum to be. I'm not saying, you know, 40 points every night, but look at the win the other night against Miami. He only scored 20 points. Um, you know, he shot the ball well, but that's okay. I think, you know, it's that whole big four which is, has been the key. And, and you kind of nailed it. Marcus, the past five games since he's come back is playing maybe the best basketball of his career. Um, and like you said, that's how we want him to play. But 
frankly, he hasn't had consistent opportunity to play that way in a long time, to actually be the point guard, to actually run the offense, to have the ball go through him, um, and to not have it be, you know, he's playing off the ball, he's stuck out of position, and it's been the story almost for his whole career. He's been bumped out of position, and he's has really never complained, even, you know, what, what top top six, seven, top 10 NBA draft pick is drafted, never really gets a chance to play their actual position and has been just a good soldier, whatever we asked him to do. Oh, you're going to play power forward, Marcus, because that's what we need you to do in defense. He's done it. He's finally getting to play the role that he grew up playing, that he played, that made him a top 10 pick, frankly, was point playing point guard in college, in high school. Like that is what got him into the NBA playing point guard. He's such a versatile player and the Celtics had a lot of other good players over the course of, you know, his first few years that it was easy. He was an easy guy to move around and you always wanted him in there because of his defense. Now I think we're finally seeing what Marcus smart, the point guard can be. And it's been a beautiful sight to watch. And it's not so much the assist numbers, although they've been good, but it's just the style of play. He's pushing the pace. He's getting the ball. He's moving it up the floor fast. We're beating the defense up and he's setting up the guys. He's getting good looks for both of the Jays. He's, you know, has always had a great connection with Rob, getting him easy looks. And it's like, he just has a sense of, okay, this is who needs to have the ball, this possession. You know, I'm not saying Marcus Smart's Chris Paul, but now that it's like he doesn't have the pressure of like, oh my God, am I going to get moved out of position any second? Is, you know, Schroeder going to come in and play point? It's like he's playing with a new clarity. Um, and I, I think part of that, I think sitting out, watching the team a little bit, I think gave him a, a, an ability to step back and take a wider lens view and say, okay, this is what the team needs me to be. And now he's doing it. And it's a tiny sample size, obviously, but if this is the Marcus Smart we can get every night, I mean, that's a game changer. That's our point guard. I think we can dead the narrative of the Celtics need to go get a true point guard or a playmaking point guard. Like when Marcus is on the court, the playmaking is fine. If anything, it's cratered when he's off the court. Over the past five games, I think uh, the Celtics have won by like 150 points. Schroeder has a minus net rating (laughs) over those games. Smarts is like astronomically high he is like i think the best he had uh what the the sixth or fifth best plus minus in the entire nba for january and he only played in 10 games i know it's absurd and he was also the highest rated defensive player in the entire league we didn't even talk about the defense the defense well the defense is always going to be there the defense is always going to be there and even having said that i think this might be the best he's ever played defensively so couple that with the way he's playing an offense and yeah like you said i think this is the best version of Marcus Smart. So if he can do this consistently, like I think we have to completely reevaluate where the Celtics are at. Um, So Tatum catching fire, I think we always thought and hoped that would happen. And it seems like it is, but this version of Marcus unlocks like another level for the Celtics. And I think changes the math beyond this year. And certainly beyond this trade deadline. Yeah. He, I mean, so Marcus being a great, playmaker these last few games I think it's somehow it's made Tatum and Brown like it's almost turned them into better playmakers too um and I know we've seen flashes of them and um you know Tatum being a playmaker and I know I've I've been I think I was critical last time a little bit about it Mm because he is getting better obviously but I felt like some of his some of the plays he's was trying to make or make with almost forced or scripted. Yeah. Like, like he's trying too hard to fill the narrative that people have made up for him. Right. It's like, you see, you, you can basically like see what he's doing. It's like, yeah. 
it's you know like a scripted cross court pass or whatever to the corner and some mm-hmm. sometimes it just gets picked off and it looks awful but yeah then you see you know these amazing little you know these little underhand flips to rob for donks and um setting people up you know with easy looks then you're like oh actually maybe he does have that instinct it's just you know on you know tapping into it well i'll tell you Um, what he does have that and that's that's what has been shown to me as much as he's on a hot streak scoring wise the playmaking's there too i mean look at his assist numbers he is totally transformed into this playmaker and i think it's all kind of this trickle down effect from when marcus is on the court playing point guard it's like everyone has a normal role and it's like that style of play is contagious He's setting guys up. He's bringing the ball down. It's zipping around. And again, you don't need to look at stats. It's the eye test. You watch the Celtics in some of these bad games and like the offense is just unwatchable. It hurts me to watch them play offense. You watch them the last few games and it's like the ball is flying around. We're getting open looks. Everyone has energy. They're jumping around. You know, people are calling stuff out. It looks like they're, you know, they're leading on the court. And again, it's, it's, we keep saying it, it, it would not to oversimplify, but it's like, if you move the ball around, it'll find the open shooter. It'll find your best players. Tatum passing the ball. The more he passes, the more opportunity he'll get to get open shots. And right. like, it's all buying in. And right now it seems like everyone is buying in to this style. And, um, and you know, someone who's been a lot criticized, Dimi Odoka, I think we got to give some credit to, because he's for a rookie coach to get this relatively young team to buy in the way they have on defense is awesome. And for now to finally start to see some of these results on offense, like, again, this is a guy halfway through his first season as a head coach in the NBA. Um, And, you know, we're starting to see some pretty impressive results. So again, it's a small sample size and we don't want to jump for joy here, but we've been very critical of Udoka. I think it's time to give him some credit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, you know, like like you said, we were critical of him for, you know, most of the season and And fairly fair. Yeah. Fairly or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at the top. You go top down generally. I think right. when you're, you know, criticizing, mm-hmm. maybe in the NBA, you don't start the coast generally. It's, you know, the best player on the way down, but yeah, you know, I mean, the way we were playing, we looked like a team that had a young head coach or not young, but you know, rookie head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, the fact that we're turning <laughs> things around, obviously Tatum is, you know, a, a lot of the reason why. And then, um, but, you know, he's not necessarily calling the plays and, you know, getting us to play, um, yeah. you know, the way we want. It's, there is, there is a lot to be said about what Ime is doing. Um, the coach can only do so much in the NBA, but it right. seems like he's, he's got their attention. He's got them playing the way he wants them to play. He can't make Tatum make shots. Sure. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but the way the Celtics have played the last two games is exactly what I want. Exactly. And I mean, you know, we've seen that, like you said, moving the ball side to side, in and out. We've seen that from everybody. I mean, we've yeah. seen that from, like, obviously Marcus Tatum's doing that. Um, Jalen has made some passes the last few games that I didn't know he was capable of making. He has. Like, just some really instinctual, you know, getting robbed some easy donks. And, you know, yeah. it's not always, like, alley-oops and stuff. It's, you know, it's the little plays that's, like, you know, it's not mm-hmm. going to make a highlight reel, but you look at it and it's like, it's just unselfish basketball. And like yeah. I said, it's like, it's contagious. One guy makes an extra pass. The next guy wants to make an extra pass and return the favor. And it's, you're seeing it out there on the court. Like I said, you don't even need to look at the stats. Just look at the eye test compared to how they were playing at the beginning of the year to now. And mm-hmm. it's like a noticeable difference. And 
it starts with those, t- those top four guys, obviously, but like Marcus is probably playing the best basketball of his career. Mm-hmm. Tatum yeah. is probably playing the best basketball of his career. He's Rob Williams, great. who we haven't talked about a lot, is probably playing the best basketball of his career. Um, Jalen, maybe not as much, but I think a lot of it too is like, like he's I said about Tatum. No, he's not. He's playing really well. I'm not, I mean, he could be, you could certainly make an argument that he is, yeah. but I guess the point is like, we've done this whole thing with Brown and Tatum of like, okay, we see that they're these great scores. Can they take the next step and be, you know, like these triple double machines who do it all and not just score, but it's like, if Marcus is going to play like this as a true point guard, Tatum is going to bring the playmaking chops he's making. Allen Rob are two of the better passing bigs in the league. It's like Jalen, just go out there and score, move around off the ball, get open, dominate, play your game, you know, get out of your own head thinking, Oh, I have to get seven assists tonight. Or, Oh, I got to make, make this read and make this pass. Like the more we allow Jalen to just be himself and play on his instincts and trust his athleticism and his shot, like that just puts him in that much better of a situation. I think, Think that's what we're seeing he's playing freely out there yeah. not trying to force the issue no that's that's a good point with Jalen too because he's I think in his career even the last couple when he's been you know elevated to all-star mm-hmm. status he still had those games where it's like the shot's not falling he'll start to defer yeah um and it's almost he gets you know trigger shy or gun shy and you know one game he'll take 20 shots next game if the shots you know the first five don't fall you might only see him take, you know, 10 shots, like eight shots or something, mm-hmm. but he's not doing that. I'm not saying I want him to chuck up 30 shots a game, but he's a good enough scorer now. He's proven to be a good enough scorer where he should be, you know, he should be, you know, trying to get his shot. And if they're not falling, then keep going. Eventually they'll fall and you'll break out of it. He's, he's gotten to that point where he, he's earned the right to, you know, try and fight mm-hmm. through mid game slumps or whatever. Yeah. And he's been doing that. And I think it's, that's, you know, part of the reason why he's been such a great scorer. I mean, he's what putting up 24 points a game this year. I mean, that's, yeah. And it's like with Marcus playing this way and the defense has to respect what he's doing. They obviously always have to respect Rob just Mm because he'll dunk anything in sight. And they're obviously going to respect Tatum. It's almost like, how do they, Brown is almost like the forgotten guy. I mean, on defense. So like he can take advantage of that. And he has, been. he's been finding his spots saying, you know, he's not getting as much defensive attention as he might on another team. And he is absolutely using that to his, to his advantage, like love the way he's playing. And, and I think, you know, like I said, we've always wanted it to be healthy and like knock on wood, we've gotten five straight games with our actual starting five. And what do you know? We actually look like the team we thought we might look like. So some of it I think is just continuity. Some of it is, you know, the nightmare of a schedule has opened up a bit. So it's a lot of things working in our favor, but you know, it it does seem like some things are actually changing. Some steps are being taken. Things are clicking and this is starting to look like the team that we thought we would see. And I want to say too, I, I like how Jalen's been playing on the glass too. I feel like he's been, mm, yeah, he's been. I mean, I know he's putting, you know, he's gotten like ten rebounds or whatever. But just watching him the last few games, he's much more aggressive on the boards. He, yeah, he got, he's got a couple of good offensive rebounds the last few games. That, Definitely, you know, and that's it's not, offensive rebounds and being a good rebounder. It's just like being engaged, really, and it's right. You know, it's hustle. I mean, you know, you can be a good rebounder if you want to be. And it's, it's nice to see. And if you're that big and that much of an athlete too, I mean, and that's, but it's like I said, it's kind of just forget the idea that Jalen has to come be an initiator and that, okay, Jalen hasn't had a possession. Let's give it to Jalen and let him run the 
offense. Like, no, just sink in, find your role, yeah. crash the glass right. for a putback, you know, cut back door for a dunk, run the floor on a fast break, you know, get yourself open for three, whatever. Like he's finding ways to be effective, which is what we've wanted to see without the kind of forced isolation of, okay, Tatum's had two shots in a row. Brown needs a possession. Like, no, everyone's just sinking in the ball's moving and he's getting great looks. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a credit to if, him. It's a credit to him for buying in and for helping to create those looks. But it's like, you know, this is what Udoko was preaching over and over again, kind of in all his press conferences to the point where it's like, okay, we get it, but the players need to actually do it on the court. Now yeah. they're kind of doing it. And obviously we're seeing great results. I think that's where a lot of the criticism or speculation was with like early this year, where it was like, can the Jays play together? And a lot of people were like, well, it's, you know, it's kind of like, one of them gets possession and another one gets possession. It's like trading off, kind of like you said, where, you know, if you give it to Tatum a couple of times, nothing happens. And you try again at the Brown a couple of times and nothing happens. And we go into these slumps and it's like, well, can they actually play together or are they just coexisting? Right. And I think this is what we've been talking about where it's like, you know, we saw them playing together in spurts and it's not, yeah. it's not even about, you know, them playing together. It's about, you know, the whole team doing yeah, playing how how they need to play for everyone to succeed or yeah. to maximize the Jays. Because I mean, that's ultimately playing what it is. in the want, right role. Yeah, and you want you know you want to ma- obviously you want to maximize the Jays because those are our best players. So no matter what the team or the scenario, you want to maximize your best talent. And I think the way we've it's proven that we do that isn't it isn't by giving them the ball and having them play ISO and you know seeing what happens. It's by moving the ball. And when you move the ball, you get your best players. You know, they get to spots. They get open looks. Just makes the offense so much easier. And I know it's, it's, easy, to, it's easy to say. And you think it's you – know, you, you would think it'd be easy to do. But for whatever reason, it just took us a while to figure it out. And hopefully, yeah. you know, my concern is that, you know, if we have a little bit of a slump or we go into yeah. a couple you know, a couple game losing streak and then we start to revert, which I think has really been our problem the last couple of years, yeah. So hopefully that's not what happened. That's why, you know, I'm no, saying, but no, I, don't, I don't want to get hurt. No, again. I don't either. But, and I don't want to be overly optimistic, but this feels different. Like yeah, it doesn't, sure. it's because it's like a stylistic change. It's not just yeah. like a hot streak, like, oh, guys are playing well. It's like guys yeah. are actually playing differently. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's, it's a strategic change. And if that can continue, you know, we've been saying all year, the defense quietly has been elite. It's been a yeah. long enough sample size there to say, like, the defense is very legit. We have a very good defense. If the offense can come around, we should be a pretty damn good team. And it seems like what's starting to come around. And again, we play like this. We can Tatum at 20 points last game and we absolutely dominated. So yeah. that's, you know, that's if we're the beginning of the year, if we get a Tatum 20 point night, we're probably not beating any team in the league. Yeah, so, obviously, you know, today's day and age, no matter what sport it is, everyone only cares about offense pretty much. And I know, <laughs> you know, that's not really the right way. And, you know, no. you, you can't win on offense, you know, entirely, no matter, you know, especially in basketball, people think it's like, you know, you just need to have the best scores or whatever. No, you can't, but, that doesn't work. So, it's been proven for since the beginning of the NBA. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't but win without an elite defense. What I'm saying is like, even though we had an elite defense, everyone's looking at the offense. And if our offense is struggling, then it's like, our team must suck. Yeah. Like, well, half of our team sucks or like half, you know, <laughs> the offense sucks, but we're playing good on defense. So it's like, nobody's like, other than people, you know, like us or like people who really are into basketball, 
nobody's really looking at the defense and being like, wow, you know, we're playing right. great on defense. It's like, yeah. everyone's looking at it saying like, but if you lose score. 95 to 92, then it's like, well, who gives a crap that the defense is great. Right. <laughs> they right. still, but, you know, but yes, but because of how it's a know, foundation. How, yeah. Because of how, you know, excited people get over offense. It's like, right. they can't, you can't get over the, you, you can't overlook the offense and appreciate the defense. Right. Um, well, and it's easier to, to quantify. You yeah. can't really judge defense by they, we, we still don't really have stats that do a great job of describing good defense. So it's more, right. you got, you kind of got to watch a lot of defense to appreciate it. Exactly. The offense, you look at, you know, nice, easy stats. They scored this many points. Easy. Mm-hmm. Love stats. <laughs> yeah. What's not to love. Um, all right. So, I mean, I think another, one other thing too, on that heat game, they played different zones, basically all game. That's, you know, Spo was short-handed. You knew he was going to throw stuff at us. He did. Years past, like, that could have been a death sentence for the Celtics. But it seemed like we actually had a plan. Marcus got in the middle of the zone. And Marcus and Tatum were getting in the middle of the zone. And they were just picking out open guys all night. That was – I want to say that was the best I've seen us play against the zone, like, maybe since, you know, the Jays era in Boston. Like, it was very yeah, – I got immediately nervous because I was like, we should win this game with Miami missing, you know, Butler, Lowry, Tucker, et cetera. We should win. But they started throwing us these funky zone looks, and I was just like, uh, oh, this is going to be one of those games. And it wasn't. We just – we were ready for it. We dominated it, and we were like, that's how you play against the zone. It was beautiful to watch. And I don't know how much of that is Udoka or what, but, uh, you know, kudos to, to whatever, whatever that game plan was because – I have not been that seen us play like that against the zone in a long time. And it was good to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to think too, is because like Brad has always been like, you know, the basketball mm-hmm. guru genius X's and O's guy. Yeah. And even under him the last couple of years, we've struggled against his own. Right. So, you know, credit to you, man. He, he cracked something or I don't know if he cracked something or if it's just, he was able to get the guys to play the way that, you know, maybe Brad was trying to get them to play that way too, and he just couldn't do it. So yeah, I mean, we don't know I mean, that what it was exactly, but half of half of coaching in the NBA, I think, as we've seen, is X's and O's. The other half is getting the guys to buy in. Right, but I don't um, think I've ever seen, or I mean, it's hard to remember seeing Marcus as that guy in the middle of the zone. But that's right. kind of perfect because that keeps our shooters on the outside, and Marcus is a great passer and can play in the post and. He was making the right read, you know, every single play, the guy steps up, he's throwing a lob to Rob. Uh, mm-hmm. They collapse from the outside. He's kicking it out to Jalen or Tatum. Like it was, it, we just, we looked like a well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah. And I don't want people to like, I'm worried people are just going to discredit that Miami win. And, you know, if, if we were like beat them by like, you know, a couple points and it was back and forth all game, then maybe I'd be like, well, they were undermanned. We we should have yeah. had an easier time with them. But no, no matter who, no matter who you know, Spo has on the floor, it's gonna be a good game. He's like that good of a coach. Yeah. Where you know he, he's gonna keep his team competitive. I think we've seen that the last few years. You know, before he had Jimmy Butler and any of these guys after the LeBron era and after the um, you know Dwayne Wade and everything, he's kept this team competitive. He's a very good coach. And yes, even you know, to steamroll this team, even without you know, maybe their two best players or what their best player, it's it's an accomplishment. Um, so you know, I don't want people to just discredit that win because that was that was still a good win, in my opinion. 
It was definitely a good one. At this point, for the Celtics, all wins are good wins. Oh, yeah. Any wins, <laughs> I'll take it. Every win we get. But. Yes. But, uh, you know, that leads. So we are recording. It's February 2nd. It's about 545. The Celtics are about two hours away from a massive game. One of It feels like one of the biggest games of the season, honestly, playing against the Charlotte Hornets. Beat us a couple of weeks ago. We were missing Marcus and Rob. Uh, the Hornets are 28 and 23. So they're a game and a half up on us in the standings. But this this feels like a big, a big game. You know, we got everyone there. They won't have Hayward, but I think otherwise, um, it would feel real good to get a win tonight. And then we follow that up with games against the Pistons and Magic. So this is a huge opportunity. Um, I, you know, we kind of maybe caught a break with the heat sitting some guys, but again. The amount of guys the Celtics have had missing the last few years, uh, there's no there's no breaks. You play who you up against, and you got to get wins. That's the bottom line. They did it. So huge, huge game tonight against Charlotte. Uh, it'll probably be over by the time you listen to the podcast, so hopefully that'll be a win. Um, and then, you know, like I mentioned, two more cushy games coming up. And then at Brooklyn, which sounds daunting, but at Brooklyn, so no Kyrie. Obviously, Durant is hurt. Major opportunity here for the Celtics, kind of as we as we get up to the trade deadline and the All Star break. Um, and I think that's a good way to transition to what's next, and that is kind of the uh, trade deadline that people have been talking about all year. What are the Celtics going to do? This and that, blah blah blah. So I guess let me start here. The main four guys who we talked about: Jalen, Jason, Marcus, Rob, who we've said are kind of you know the key to this team right now. That's essentially, for better or worse, our core. Um, I think, you know, anyone else other than that is like, whatever, if we could get rid of them for something, we probably would. Are how confident, I guess, are you in that core four and not only for this deadline, but that that's like the foundation of this team going forward and that you feel good about it. Um, that Rob's going to continue taking this leap to be like almost a pseudo third star that Marcus, this is Marcus. He's the point, the point guard, the leader of the defense, like, how sold are you that this four can work? Or do you still think basically anything after the Jays is fair game? I guess, where are you at long-term on, on what we've seen the last few games? Um, I mean, I still think everything's fair game, really. I mean, I know this is, we've only had like half of a year with Brad, so I don't really know, you know, if this was Danny, maybe I'd have a better idea of it, but mm-hmm. um, you know, that four, um confident in a sense where I love the idea of it and if they're all playing the way they can play the way they should play then I think you know we probably have something um but I don't I don't know if that four if if that if our teams those four are good enough to be the best four players on a championship team and I know Mm -hmm. ideally which is I guess what I'm asking essentially can those yeah. be the top four guys? Not right now, but within, you know, a couple more years of building and growing, yeah. can that be the core four of a title team? So I think, well, I think we know what Marcus is. I don't, I don't think he's really going to, I don't know if there's a next step for Marcus, but he, he's, you know, the way he's playing now is great. Mm-hmm. So let's assume Marcus is what Marcus is. Um, Jalen, maybe he, you know, turns into a slightly better version of himself, but I think we've kind of see, we kind of know what he's going to be this is a you know really good score uh good defender maybe he gets a little bit better at distributing and you know a better playmaker um tatum i think at his ceiling you know should be in his ceiling he he, sh- 
he probably is a top five. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if his ceiling is this, just doing it consistently, like that's pretty damn good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I mean, if, if this is a ceiling, that's a really good player. That's a, you know a superstar. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you know if the best version of all mm-hmm. these guys right now is good enough. And yeah. I'd like to think it is. And you know if. Rob is going to continue to get better, but I don't know if Rob is necessarily the guy that can take us to the next level, no matter how good he gets. Cause I mean, what's, what is really the next step that Rob could take that would take us into championship contention, I guess is kind of my point. Um, yeah. I, th- I think his best role is, you know, his role now is being the anchor defensive anchor yeah, uh, you know, lob threat, you know, good, yeah. you know, good passing big. I mean, he's come I, I such Rob. a long way. I mean, yeah. I love who he is and I love, you know, this role for him and I love how he projects. But, you know, he's, I don't think he's part of like a big three, so to say, that's going to take you to championship. And I don't think Marcus technically is part of the big three. And I mean, I know, I know we talk about like you have those four, you surround them with like shooters and better talent and maybe that's good enough, but I don't know. I wouldn't, I guess to answer your question, I'm not confident in it. So I would like, I still think we need one more player, you know, on Tatum and Brown's level, at least, Um, you know, I'm not saying like better than Tatum or anything, but like, I know, I don't know if, you know, Bradley Beal is the, the guy, but someone like that, like some, some guy that we can slot in to be our, you know, third, you know, score or something. I, I don't know. I just think, I think we need one more guy that's, you know, on the, one like more high end guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so I think, I think I'm a slight disagree. I think those four can be the top four. And I think Rob can be the third star. I mean, again, Rob's still only 24 years old. This is his first season, like getting this opportunity and he is just, blown the opportunity out of the water like i i think the arrow's pointing straight up for rob i think he he gets better every night and i see no reason why he's not going to i mean for christ's sakes last year we're starting friggin' tice and tristan thompson and rob was an afterthought like he, he couldn't stay healthy he couldn't stop fouling he was biting on every pump fake i mean look where this guy has already come like the talent is all there i think he can continue to grow he can take another step he could be a true defensive anchor and you know we don't need him to score a zillion points i i just i think he already is a defensive anchor like i think he's pretty much there well true yeah i mean i I mean i i think this version of rob but better like obviously as he continues to grow develop get experience all that hell maybe even add a little bit of a jump shot i think he can be like an all-star level big, which in the modern NBA, you don't need, you know, I I know Embiid and Jokic are the front runners for MVP right now, but you generally don't need like a big dominant center who's going to post up or whatever. Like that's just not really the recipe for winning. It hasn't been for a while. Um, I mean, it doesn't hurt if you can have one, but I think like his role as being kind of the quote unquote third guy is fine. Whether that means he's our third leading scorer. Like I almost don't think it matters. Um, I think those four guys can be the guys. And I think the issue, not the issue, but as you kind of mentioned, and we've mentioned in the past, I think the biggest thing they need is like a true 
shooting guards, wing type player who can defend and can just bury threes, create more space for the offense to work. And I think that's, that's the ticket out of there. Like, I don't, I don't think we need to go star hunting. I don't think we have to kind of blow up what we have to get a guy like Bradley Beal, who sucks at defense, by the way, and is having an awful year. Um, And I think people just assume Beal is this like money shooter and like, he just hasn't been shooting like 30% on threes this year. And I mean, I know he's led the league in scoring last year, but at what point is it like, all right, Beal's good, but he's been in the league for a long ass time and his team kind of (laughs) sucks. And he hasn't been great. He's been straight up bad on one end of the floor, which is like a pretty big part of what the Celtics are doing. I just, let's put it this way right now. This is completely hypothetical and I don't even know if it could work, whatever, but like if you took smart and Rob off the team and put Beal on the team, do you think the Celtics would be better or worse? Uh, so you're just removing those two. Yeah. It, right. It would never, it's not going to uh, work that way, but. Just as just as a hypothetical, like, does that make uh, us better? No, probably not. I mean, if you're like, if you consider that, like, if you say you're trading those two for Beal, sure, then probably not. But I think you know the point. You know, with that whole thought experiment, is that if you swap those two out, then you're replacing you know those mm-hmm. guys with veterans and building around that. And, Sure, you know, building but the team around those three. So you're I mean, not going to get guys as good as Marcus and Rob to play those no. roles, and like they're pretty big roles as you know, probably our two best defensive players who don't need a lot of shots. You're taking in a guy who's going to have massive offensive volume, is a negative defender, and then replacing you know Marcus and Rob with let's say two league average defenders. Suddenly you go from an elite defense to like probably an average defense, and we'd be basically counting that Beal will make us an elite offense. Yeah, and I mean. I- I think like, you know, when people, when we're at it, when you get to that point where it's like, you see other teams where it's like, all right, they're adding an all-star, they add Beal or, you know, they're adding, you know, Phoenix adds Chris Paul or something like that. Like you're adding a, an, an all-star and maybe you're sacrificing for sacrificing down the roster a little bit, but then, you know, you add like a Javal McGee. I don't think he's like, you know, great, but I mean, I think that's kind of what it is. You start adding, cheap veterans who've been around a while who want to win games. And I mean, I think that's generally been, you know, the recipe. I don't know if it's like the winning recipe. That's been the recipe how teams are building themselves. So I get why people still think that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying it's the right move for us or whatever, but I still understand that train of thought. I definitely understand that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a discussion, obviously. And with Rob too, getting back to that, it's like, I love Rob. I think this, even if Rob, this is Rob for the rest of his career, it's a great player. He's a starter. Yeah. Um, you know, defensive stud. Um, but my whole thing is like, what does he add to his game that makes him an all-star? I mean, like a mid-range jumper, yeah, I guess. Definitely. Like, is that a jump shot, a floater? I like, mean, like who, who a way to like, score like other than on lobs and putbacks. Yeah. Is he like, I a, mean, is that, is that what we're thinking? It's like, I don't think anyone would question that Bam could be the third best player on a title team right now. Would they? No, I mean, I, I think. Right. So why can't Rob? I mean, is Bam, <laughs> Bam's a good ball. Anyway. 
I don't know if I don't Rob, know if Rob, but Rob, Rob's a good passer. I don't know if he's, he's a, a very good ball. passer. Maybe not a good ball hander, but he's sure-handed with the ball. I mean, he's not beating yeah. guys off the dribble, but we don't want him to. We don't need him to. Uh, like, I, I, I don't know. I think he can be kind of the perfect big for this offense. I think again, it just. I love I'm Bam. still. Oh, I'm Bam, still all I'm about. All <laughs> yeah, I'm still all about just find a, a a better fifth starter. Not that Al has been bad. I just think the two bigs is clunky. I mean, Al yeah. Al has been good, and in those last few games, like. You can't argue with the starting lineup. I think they're the second best net rated group in the entire league. Like the starting lineup has been awesome. Um, it's just tough to play with two bigs a lot. So it, it would just be good to have a guard or wing type who could kind of play the Al role in terms of minutes, um, provide a little more shooting and the team just needs more depth. I mean, let's, if we're going to shift to the negative for a minute. Um, you know, it's worked because we've won games, but like, man, we're not playing a lot of players <laughs> at all. Like, Ime's gone to like a playoff rotation here against teams that aren't good. We're playing basically, it's those five starters uh, Grant Williams and Richardson, who have been good, and Schroeder, who's played worse and worse. And like, since it, the trade rumors have grown, it's like he's just mailed it in or something because he man, it's tough. He was, he was laying so good for us when he's kind of filling in as a starter, but like the way he plays is just so counterintuitive to what works for the Celtics. And it's the little things like, you know, like I just said with Marcus, when he's in there, it's all about the pace. You hear all this pace, pace, play with pace, play with force, play fast. And you see the Celtics running up and down. It's like, Oh my God, they look amazing. Schroeder comes in, he's rolling the ball up the court, every (laughs) single play waiting to half court to touch it. Like there's, two seconds left in the half when it's like he's slowing us down and then he's just pounding the ball into the ground. He's dribbling like, man, I, Dennis Schroeder, he's still a solid player and in the right role, he can be good, which I thought this would be, but lately, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him, but I, I'm ready to get off the Schroeder coaster. He's been brutal. Like I'd, I'm almost at the point where I'd rather just play Pritchard and try to live through some growing pains and see if he can become a backup point guard. Cause Schroeder has been that bad lately. It's like, it used to be the Celtics would crater when Tatum's off the court, these last few games, it's like when they take smart out and Schroeder runs the offense, the Celtics are a bad, bad team. Um, and I think, I mean, early in the season, Schroeder looked all right for us. And yeah, I think he was playing pretty well, but that could have been a, you know, a result of you know, Tatum playing so lousy that. Well, Schroeder he was had, starting for we were always yeah. missing someone. So he had a bigger role, but right. it's like playing when he's this true sixth man role and everyone's healthy for whatever reason, it doesn't work. And I mean, yeah. we talked about it last time. One of the main things we talked about was how bad that was playing Schroeder and smart together. Ime has definitely gone away from that. Um, we're still seeing it at times and it still doesn't work. Uh, we saw it a lot down the stretch in that Hawks game. The, the one bad game in this recent stretch where we pretty much blew the game with that lineup on the court. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. The sooner Yudoka accepts it, the better. Um, and, but the thing is like, he doesn't have a lot of great options. Like I said, Grant's been solid. Richardson has been solid beyond that. I mean, freedom is unplayable. So thank goodness <laughs> he finally pulled the plug on that. Neesmith and Langford just still haven't carved out anything of a role. So like, it's tough. I get it. Udoka wants to win games. He's playing the guys that he trusts. Uh, but I, I don't know how long you can get by playing like seven and a half, eight guys in an NBA regular season. Yeah, playing Al 35 minutes a game. I don't know. Everyone's playing a lot of minutes. um, No, I I agree. And, um, you know, we need some help. And, I mean, 
I don't want to jump the gun and get into trade deadline talk, but you know, I want I want to win games this year. I want to I want right. to add some shooters. I want to add, <laughs> I want to I want to make a playoff run. I mean, yeah, I don't know. No, it's just, it's, it's, it's it's it's. I feel like I know it hasn't been that long since we were, you know, we were just in the Eastern Conference, you know, championship mm-hmm. what, a few years ago. Yeah, feels like it's been ten years. Like right. I want to win games. Right. And we need depth to do it. Like you said, we need depth. But outside of those top seven guys, it's like hard to trust anyone. And I mean, Richardson's yeah. been good, but he's ideally, you know, he's like probably an eighth or ninth guy. I mean, I don't know. I don't hate his role, but it's not like Richardson is the answer. Like he's the fifth starter. Um, same with Grant. I mean, Grant's been good. If those are two, like two of role players off the bench, that's great. I'm glad that Grant seems like he's hit because none of these other recent draft picks really have it all. Mm. Um, but like, I don't know. You see small flashes from these guys, but then they just get buried. So like, where are you at with, with Neesmith, Romeo and Pritchett, I guess, do you want to see them play or are you just like, no, we can't afford to put them out there. Um, I feel like, I feel like the problem is, I mean, I know, I know Pritchard, it's like a point guard and the other two are wings, but like, I feel like there's, you have those three guys competing for like the same minutes almost. And when you have three young guys competing for minutes and their minutes are so sporadic, it's hard to really get a feel for any of them. And it's hard for them to get a feel, you know, getting a rhythm. So it's, it's tough. It's almost like, you kind of just got to pick one and then roll with it the rest of the year. But then if you do that, then, you know, you're shooting a guy's confidence and, mm-hmm. you know, then they're not playing the rest of the season. And it's like, you might as well just send them down to, you know, send them up to Maine or something. But right, it's just, I feel like they're in a tough situation where you got three guys that none of them really took the, you know, took the reins and took over that role. So you're still just like, you know, playing one guy five minutes here and then, another one five minutes the next night and sometimes they're dnp and it's like they're not going to be able to get into a rhythm and it's no. it's not necessarily email's fault it's just it's a tough spot because you know it's three young guys that you know are having trouble staying on the court yeah and the team's not playing well so you know everyone's hearing the pressure they got to win these games it's tough it is tough yeah. but i mean I, th- I like i said i think i'm at the point where i'd be fine tossing any of them in there over schroeder um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I don't think Schroeder's going to be on the team in a week, but I guess that's that's the next step. There is what is what are we going to do with the deadline? It sounds like, you know, we're not buyers. Let's face it; like we're not adding players. It seems like the main priority is to shed some money to get under the cap and see if we can get assets. Um, to Schroeder, like whatever the best offer that comes in is, we're going to take it. I don't think it's going to be a first round pick. Um, you know, I hopefully one of these teams that needs a point guard gets desperate and we get a late first, that would be like probably the best you could possibly hope for. Uh, I think more likely, you know, a couple second round picks, something that we can help turn into something down the road. But I think Schroeder is pretty much going to be dumped. Um, It sounds like they might be there with Richardson too, which that to me is a little weirder. Like I think, you know, Richardson's played pretty well. He fills a role we need, like we need more Josh Richardson types, Mm. not fewer. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I guess if someone's offering a first round pick for a guy that we basically got, you know, for nothing, like fine, but I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be just giving Richardson away to the highest bidder, no matter what, like I am with Schroeder. I think if someone makes you an offer, you can't refuse you to do it, but 
taking Richardson off this team, especially if that's kind of just another dump for a pick or something and not bringing anyone back who can play, like suddenly we're ex- <laughs> we've given up two of the eight players who play. <laughs> yeah. All right. And I mean, um, if we if we get rid of those guys just to dump them, you know, or just for well, you know, then then Nee Smith, Romeo, and Pritchard are playing whether they're good or not. Like then right. we're just saying, okay, these that's our bench. They're gonna play yeah. 20 minutes a night. And if they absolutely suck, then oh well. Like <laughs> there's nothing else we can do. Then. Yeah. That'll uh, be the I, bed we've made. I don't think that's the route we're gonna go. I think it's it seems like the wrong route in my mind. Um, well, the, what route do you think we're going to go? Because, I mean, I, well, I mean, honestly, I I do think we're going to go. I think at least with Schroeder, like, I think Schroeder's gone. Yeah, And even, think, if it, even if it's a one second round pick, like, I think that's it's going to happen. I think, And, I, I, and I, I'm, I think that'd be borderline addition by subtraction right now for this team. I don't think getting rid of Schroeder is, you know, a problem. But if all of a sudden we, we – because I think that'll be – you know, we can justify that and be like, you know, they can tell a team we're going to elevate one of the younger guys and – I think that's easy to explain and, you know, team probably realizes he's not a good fit. I think that'd be a good um, thing. For the but team yeah. So I think that's fine. But like if all of a sudden we're, sell- we're selling Dennis for a second and then, you know, someone offers us a late first for Josh and we're not bringing anyone in to replace those guys. And I think you get like, you know, our best players looking at it, like, so we're just, you know, mm-hmm. we're just mailing in this year. I mean, right. you know, we've been, especially if we go into the, into the trade line playing where we're playing now it's like yeah so why aren't we adding pieces because you guys want to get under the you know under mm-hmm. the tax save right. some money I, or they can get under the tax without gutting the team if they actually think there's anything there sure if they you know if the celtics come out and gets look awful again tonight against charlotte maybe lose one of these games to the pistons and magic and it's like oh that was you know that five game stretch was a facade this is the same mediocre celtics then like whatever if you want to trade Schroeder and Richardson and say, we're just going to play the kids. If we fall out of the playoffs and get a lottery pick, fine. That's maybe not the worst thing in the world. Like it'd be hard to argue, but if they, like you said, if they keep playing and they're, you know, five games up over 500 in a week when the trade deadline comes, like, I, I think, like you said, that'd be sending a really bad message to the team. And, you know, Josh Richardson, they signed him to an extension, which I know kind of might be helps him for trade wise, but like he's only 28. He seems to get along with everyone. And he fills a, he fills the role. That's what yeah. we need. We like I said, we want more guys who are like Richardson. He's someone who I'd be fine with having around long term as a bench piece, or a guy who can close with the the other four we talked about if if need be. Like I like Richardson. So again, if a team's willing to offer you like a good young player and a first round pick, sure you do it. But like you said, what what message is it sending to the Jays if you're basically dumping the only competent veteran bench players? Yeah. And like, you know, like you said, Josh Richardson, he's not a superstar, but he's the modern day, you know, end of the rotation three and D wing. And I mean, he's not like a sniper or anything, but that's like, that's the kind of guy you want at the end of your rotation. So shooting 39%. Yeah. I mean, it's good, Mm. but, and you know, historically he's been up and down, but yeah, no, he's been, that's good this year. Yeah. This year he's been good. And I think this is, I think this Josh Richardson is like who he should have been the last, you know, however many years you know, yeah. since he's been in the NBA. And, you know, he kind of got passed around and wasn't in great situations. And, you know, now he's kind of developed a role. And I think this is, this is, you know, his, this is what his role should be in the NBA. And just like you said, dump him for, 
you know, a pick just to get rid of him, then that would be right. a, a bad message. And I think I would be fine. What's a, what's a first round pick getting us like a non lottery right. first, you know, great. We've got yeah. enough guys like that. We can, so we can draft the next Neesmith, like, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're done. We're done. Selling, selling yeah. I think Richardson's a useful pick. piece. And again, just dumping Schroeder will get us under the tax. We don't have to worry about that. And it'll open up minutes for Pritchard, Neesmith, Romeo, what have you. Like those guys can play more. We can, we can, we can kind of do both. We can get under the tax and play the kids and also stay competitive and keep a guy in Richardson who hopefully will be a part of a better team next year. Or if not, is, you know, will still be a useful trade piece next year. Like I, I don't get dumping him. Like we're not tanking. No, no. And I, I mean, I haven't seen, any of that talk so um, i've seen those reports out there have, that, but, yeah, yeah i've heard that he's extremely available which i, I mean it's not shocking but huh. i i don't know we'll see i think I, I i mean again i wonder how much has changed over the last couple of weeks here with the way they've looked because yeah. before that i could kind of get it you know when we talked last time i think we were there dump yeah. any of the vets who aren't part of the future for whatever you can get yeah. Now I'd say, you know, things are a little different and the East is wide open. Like I said, as bad as the season has gone, yeah. six games out of first place. <laughs> it was a good, yeah. a good couple of weeks away from being a top four seat. Like it's yeah. not that crazy. And the way the guys are playing, like, I think the way the guys have played, if they, if they keep playing like this going into the deadline, like they've earned the right to keep competing. I'm not yeah. saying we suddenly have to be buyers and go out and use the TPE to get like a Fournier like we did last year. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But we've earned the right to not blow it up and tank by not dumping Al, Josh, whatever. Like, exactly. I think the Schroeder move is fiscally smart and basketball smart. So I'm yeah. fine with that. You know, it was a nice arrangement. Still a good deal. We got him. You know, we never should have had him in the first place. So if we could turn that into two second round picks, fine. Second round picks get deals done. And we've given a lot of them away. So we could probably use a couple more seconds. That's fine. And again, I don't think the drop off from playing Pritchard or whoever in Schroeder's minutes will hurt us at all. No Richardson uh, that I, I feel differently about. Yeah. Richardson's minutes will be hard to replace. Um, so, I mean, unless like moving Richardson and Schroeder is, you know, and, and they're bringing in, you know, one player that's, you know, equivalent to those two or better than those two then maybe right but it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like that's the direction they're going at least right now i mean it sounds like if the celtics are going to make any real like i think we could get you know holiday from indiana who we saw was available and that the asking price was two seconds so you know maybe flip Schroeder for two seconds, turn that into Aaron Holiday, like something like that, like a minor move at the fringe we could make, but I don't think we're going out and getting a real player who makes real money and will be a real part of this team. Like I'd be very, very surprised if that happens right now. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll see moves in the summer, but again, I think, I think any thought that they might look into trading smart or Horford at the deadline, I think is probably pretty much gone with the way they've looked the last few weeks. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, we'll we'll get more into that next week. Obviously, when yeah, when uh, we get close to the deadline, but... it's crazy to believe. Yeah, we're we're coming on February second. The deadline is February tenth, just over a week. Absolutely crazy to think about. And yes, as Nick said, we'll be doing a mega deadline podcast next week. So we don't we're not going to get too into today, as I think. I think for all the rumors, speculation, and kind of Celtics wish lists out, that are floating around out there, it's 
more than likely going to be a pretty quiet deadline. And if, if, you know, gun to my head, if I had to guess, I'd say dumping Schroeder for a couple picks will probably be like the splashiest move we see. Sure. That'd be my guess. Let's see what happens. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the state of the Celtics right now. What's uh, what's your prediction for this next few these next few games here? Are we going to bring it tonight against Charlotte and keep it rolling and build on this going into the break? Or, or is this just, you know, a high point that'll be followed by a low point as it's kind of been going? Um, prediction for the, how the Celtics are going to play. <laughs> Not uh, just this game, but kind of, I guess, how legit do you think this last five games is like? silly to try to draw anything from small sample or actual turning point. I think they've, they've shown that they like to beat up on bad teams now. And well, hey, that's a lot better than what we had, which was blowing 20 point leads against bad teams. Right. The year, it's so. like, but now beating like, bad teams is a big part of being good in the NBA. Exactly. But now they're like motivated. It's not like, mm-hmm. all right, we, we got a 20, 15 point lead. Now we can coast for the rest of the game. And then yeah. they end up blowing that lead. And then, you know, lose late before a third they you know squeak out with a one two point win mm-hmm. but now it's like you know we're playing these crappy team and it's like all right let's get a nice early and then let's step on their throats which is how you should be playing against shitty teams so <laughs> yeah i think they got a nice a feel for that and so obviously we have pistons and orlando coming up who i'd say qualify as bad teams so they in are theory, bad teams. They've been fun to watch. I, I actually enjoy watching yeah. both of those teams on league pass more than probably most people. Um, the magic were fun as hell last night. They got some good kids, but yes, those are games that in this year we should be winning. Yeah. I mean, bad teams with like young players, you know, fun young players. That's, you know, yeah, that's fun to watch. Yeah. No, but we got to win those games. Fans. I'm with you. Yeah. So Hornets, I think we, yeah, we have, big one. I think we need to win this game. And not just because, you know, they, they kind of made us look bad last game. I mean, that was, that was kind of a gross loss. It was, I mean, again, we didn't have Marcus. We didn't have Rob. Yes, I know, but they, they kind of embarrassed us. It wasn't great. And I mean, this is, so this is our, they make about 43s that night or is that, no, we missed 43s. That's what it was. Yeah. That was the game we missed. I mean, one of the games where we missed all our shots, but yeah, I'm with you. Statement. I think this is the rubber match uh, mm-hmm. for us too. Yeah, it is. Season tiebreakers right. on the line, yep. which may matter with how jumbled together the East is. That actually might not be meaningless. Yeah, my first game was against them was our fourth game into the year. Mm-hmm. It was that OT one where we scored one forty. Yeah, um, oh, it's a big one tonight. No, no two ways about it. It feels like a feels like as big of a game as the Celtics have had in a while. Yeah, it's good. It's a big game mentally. So it could be a big game for the standings. It's... I'd love to see just just a statement win. Just go yeah, out, yeah. play well, beat up on them a little bit, and just take it home. You know, start to finish. A, a wire to wire win tonight. It would have me feeling, whew, pretty. I'd be drinking some green Kool Aid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if it's just, I, I don't even need to be wire to wire. No, I, no, game, but just like, uh, nothing like, stupid. No, we play, just play well game, for the whole game. They play a good game, and we pull it out in the end. I mean. You know, oh, it's yeah. not like Charlotte stinks. This is a no, no, no. They're ahead of a good us. team like right said. now. They're yeah, they're ahead of us. We're, in the we're chasing so them. If we can win, if we beat them, then we beat them. And there's no, yeah. you know. I mean, this could be a play-in game preview. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> let's hope we, not. But if we get this one, then I think it'll really energize the team to, you know, yeah, to you know, take it into Detroit and Magic. Yeah. I mean, 
And I mean, it's with we've been so kind of battered by the Celtics for the last probably year plus yeah. that it's like it almost it, it feels like they could rattle off 20 straight and I'd still be expecting them to lose the next game exactly. to like Oklahoma City. Right. You know, but where I was kind of asking you before, if you think this five game stretch was just a fluke or if it's a turning point, I think if we win and look kind of as we've looked another like good looking win tonight against Charlotte, I'd be like, okay, I think we've really turned a corner Right. again. I'm going to say that. And then we'll lose to the Detroit and Orlando, but <laughs> that, that Orlando matchup's looking awfully trappy right now. <laughs> Going into the How, Terrence game. Ross, what 40 burger that night, at least. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm circling that game on my calendar yeah. right now though. <laughs> smart that's smart of you um but yeah no i mean i think i think then i will tell us a, a lot about where we're actually at so we'll show some balls take it to them and kind of say you know on paper especially if they don't have hayward we i think we're the more talented team so let's go out show that impose our will beat these guys and you know keep moving up the standings yep i'm in that's the plan all right. I think we're on the same page for that. Um, so I think that pretty much wraps it up. Like I said, there's a lot more to get into in terms of trade deadline and all that. We touched on it a little and we're going to be back next week with a pod that will be pretty much entirely focused to the trade deadline. Other than that, anything else you want to touch on, Nick? Anything else we missed? Or um, No, I don't think so. Um, there was that the the, the Steve Bolpet article oh, oh, yeah, we com that you sent me today, which I did have on our agenda. Um, so I'll give my two out. cents. <laughs> yeah, I'll give my two cents. The tweet basically was like, "Could Jalen Brown ask out?" Was like the headline of the story or something. And then if you read the article, it was saying like it wasn't. It was you know multiple sources, which who knows? It didn't sound like anyone really legit. It definitely wasn't coming from Jalen. It basically said if the Celtics stay mediocre, Jalen Brown could ask out, which to me is like, if any team in the NBA is mediocre, any player could ask out. No, like I, to me, it's a total non-story. Like I said to you, I mean, the Celtics media, it's are just pushing nonsense. They love writing the, can the Jays play together story every single day. They've worn that one out. So they took a turn at, Hey, like, do the Jays want to play together? Let's try that one and see if that can get any clicks. Um, I read this as total BS. Pulpet even tweeted after to clarify, like, by the way, Brown did not say anything. Basically, all he said is that sources, Celtic sources said that Brown uh, expressed frustration, I think. And then also said every player on the team has expressed frustration. They're frustrated. It's been a frustrating season. To correlate that to him maybe wanting out down the road to me is just ridiculous. Everything we've heard and everything he said has been the opposite, that he wants to be here, that he and Tatum want to make it work together. Um, I don't know. I don't even want to really dive much deeper. I don't think it's worth it. Anything to add there? You you panicking? Um, I'm all right. <laughs> First I saw of it was on, uh, on Corrales' last episode, posted it today, and it, was, it read uh, – Celtics trade Boston Celtics trade rumors. Could Jalen Brown ask for a trade? That's the that's the name of the episode. That got me a little freaked out. So I'll have to Could listen he? to Yes. To, to I mean it's crowd. within his rights. All right. <laughs> Could Jalen, no. you know, move to Italy and yeah. play abroad? Could Jalen quit basketball and go back to school and decide he wants to be a doctor? Yeah, he right. could. Right? I mean, could he run for office? Yeah. I don't know. He could do a lot of yeah. things. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, like I said, total non-story. If any NBA team plays shitty, their good players could ask to move. Like, that's reality. This is what it is. It's the world we live in. It is. Well, all right. I think that's it. Where it's coming up on six twenty Eastern time, February second. We're almost an hour away from tip off. I gotta go. Uh, you know, cold bath. Get ready for the Celtics Hornets game. Hope we can uh, add another win. Yeah, I'll. Uh... I'll either talk to you tonight after the game or tomorrow morning if I uh, <laughs> if we wake depending, up depending on how things go. <laughs> We're ready for that. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. As always, Chuddy Heads. We will be back next week to talk trades. If you got any trade ideas, suggestions, questions, send them along, and we can definitely touch on those next episode. Otherwise, go Celtics. Thank you as always. Spray the park and have my shit inside the car. Marcus Smart Boy was shooting with a 36 on him. Said if he wasn't in a rush, they was all goners. Tech cursive on the Jets, he was gonna Sean John him. They were sleeping on the guard, then it dawned on him. What? My mic game different, I'm Bob Barker. My wrist spin like the wheel, my nigga still in the